Into our hearts, into our hearts. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Come into stay, come into day. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to this program tonight. I'm so glad you've joined me, and I trust that the word and the music will be a blessing. And don't forget, call someone and ask them to join you as you participate with us in the broadcast. Our scripture lesson today comes from Matthew chapter 16 beginning at verse 13. Would you hear the word of God? Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, 
and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for this opportunity of sharing your message. And I pray that you touch me and someone else through me. Let your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. It's in your name. Amen. At the conclusion of a sermon where a minister talked to his congregation about what Christ meant to him, he went and he was shaking hands with the congregation. And a little while, one of the great saints of the church came up to him and she got all choked up and had to go back to the end of the line. The minister thought she just didn't know how to say goodbye. But in a little while, she came back up to the head of the line, and this time with a tear in her eye, she said, Why haven't you told us this before? Now, when I look at Jesus Christ, I have to admit there is much in him that is beyond me. But I do want you to know that I'm growing in his mystery and his uniqueness with every passing year. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said to his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Central to the Christian faith, then, is the identity of its founder, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Who do you think that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What did he mean? Well, initially he meant that there's no explanation big enough to cover Jesus. He was not one among the others. He was the one to whom the others went. He was the one to whom the others went. He was the Messiah. The late Albert Outler expressed it this way. The baseline for every Christian confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior is the recognition that in and through Jesus Christ we have to do with the will of the living God. For another thing, Peter meant that if your experience of Jesus is authentic, it has to be a personal discovery. Not too long ago, my wife and I were invited to go to a party. They were honoring a man who had taught a large Sunday school class for 40 years. It was quite a celebration, a wonderful man. At some point during the celebration, he walked over to me and he whispered to me, he said, Hal, keep on preaching Christ. There is nothing else that matters. Talking about a personal discovery, that was his personal discovery. Hal, keep on preaching Christ. There's nothing else that really matters. Do you remember the spiritual? Wasn't that a mighty day when Jesus Christ was born? Indeed it was, and it is. Why didn't you tell us this before? First of all, to me, Jesus is the clearest expression of the mystery of God. A little boy had been out playing, and his mother called him in for supper. He came running in, and he jumped in his chair, and he picked up his fork, and he was beginning to eat when his mother looked at him and said, Wait a minute, Tommy. He said, You've got germs. You've got to go wash your hands. So he got down out of his chair. He went to the restroom. He washed his hands. He came back. He got in his chair, picked up his fork, and started eating again. This time his mother said, Wait a minute, Tommy. He said, We have a blessing here. We thank God for the food. 
the little boy bowed his head and then momentarily looked up and said, germs and God, germs and God, that's all I ever hear around here and I ain't never seen neither one of them. We can sympathize with Tommy, but then Christmas comes. How does the scripture put it? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father. The writer of John's gospel was right in line with talking about Jesus as the divine Son of God. Now, Jesus certainly didn't tell us everything about God, but Jesus does very uniquely reveal God to us, to us. The former Archbishop of Canterbury put it this way. He said, if you want to know what is in the mind of the eternal, what the heart of the eternal is like, what the will of the eternal is, he said, then it's revealed in the word, in Jesus of Bethlehem of Nazareth, crucified and risen. There's a wonderful story of a young couple who got married, but at the end of the first week, the husband had to go into the service. He had to go fight a war someplace. And during that time he was away, they would send letters to each other, even though they were half a world apart. They would send letters to each other, and then occasionally he would send a gift, just letting them, her know how much he loved her. But then one night, there was an unexpected knock on her door, and very cautiously and unsettlingly, she opened the door, and there stood our soldier husband. Needless to say, that was a glad reunion. In times past, God sent letters and messages of love. That's what the prophets were about. But on Christmas night, it was different. God came among us himself. He came among us himself. He provided a human face. The grace and the love and the mercy of God were revealed through Jesus Christ as he lived his life on this earth. How important it is for us to realize that. Do you remember the time when Jesus was talking with his disciples about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God and how they were arguing about it. They kept arguing about them wanting to be great. You remember what Jesus did? He took a towel and a basin and he knelt down and he washed their feet. That's what God is like. Do you remember that time when Jesus picked up that cross and he started trudging toward Golgotha up that hill, suffering as he went? That's what God is like to me. Jesus is the clearest expression of the mystery of God. And then secondly, I believe Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, including mine. There was a teacher talking to a class of boys, and they were discussing not only the birth of Jesus, but the death of Jesus. And the teacher said to one of the boys, why did Jesus have to die? And he replied, Jesus saw a lot of good in the world, and he didn't like the way it was being pushed around. Somebody had to take the rap, and he took it. Now, if we are honest, all of us have had part in pushing the good around. I know I have. We've done it by our sins of commission and our sins of omission. We've done it in our habits and our attitudes and in our relationships. We've done it in all these ways. In my study, I have a beautiful picture that was drawn by a woman named Ruth Eisman Shear. She was the first woman to ever reach the top 10 of the FBI's list. She drew this picture of Jesus, a beautiful picture. She drew it for me after I had visited with her several times in the DeKalb County Jail. She drew it for me. Evidently, she admired Jesus very much. But this was the same Ruth Eisman Shear that participated with Gary Crisp when they buried the Emory Coed in the ground and buried her alive. 
As I said, evidently Ruth Eisman Shear admired Jesus, but she didn't follow him. How many people in this world admire Jesus? He was a great man, sure, but they don't bother to follow him. A man said that when he was in the sixth grade, he had to go to a new school. And he said he realized right then and there what junior high bus abuse was all about. He said the back of the bus was ruled by the cane boys. He said, and they were a tough lot. Jack was the meanest of them. And one day they heard Jack say, get ready, get ready. And this girl came on the bus. And when she did, the whole bus began to chant, Dede Dorf is a slut, Dede Dorf is a slut, Dede Dorf is a slut. This girl walked down the aisle and sat down and kept her head down. The chant didn't last more than a minute, but for her it must have seemed a lifetime. This went on every day of that week. When she would get on the bus, everybody would slant, chant, Dede Dorf is a slut, Dede Dorf is a slut, Dede Dorf is a slut. Well, on Friday, after this had gone on all week, the bus driver, just about the time they were getting ready to chant again, he stopped the bus, got up and looked at him and said, why do you treat her this way? And Jack brashingly said, well, she is a slut. But the bus driver looked at Dede and he said, you are valuable. You are made and created in the image of God. You are worth something. But then we're told that the bus driver did more than just that because that next week, Jack Cain was not on the bus. And when he did return to the bus, there was no more chanting. There was no more chanting. We don't need to explain that illustration. All of us have participated in the sin of the world. When sin is active and alive, we have to deal with it. The good news is we can. God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you about a man that worked for my father. His name was Charlie Moore. He worked as a clerk in the hotel. He was a World War I prize fighter and he never talked about his religion. But one night he said to me, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, a few weeks back, I went around to my room. He lived in the hotel. He said, I went around to my room and I started gasping for breath. He said, I immediately reached for the phone, and the phone immediately got the ambulance. And a little while, the doctors came, and they began working on me. And he said, while they were working on me, he said, I tended to drift away into another world. I went into semi-consciousness, and he said, I was standing in the middle of green grass. As far as I could see, nothing but green grass. And then he said, I saw this beautiful blue. And he said, I started walking toward the blue. And he said, just as I was getting ready to step into the blue, suddenly I came back to consciousness and they were working on me. Later these doctors said that his life had not been in their hands. Evidently they had something else that God wanted him to do and to find out what it was. A few weeks later Charlie Moore dreamed he was in the First Methodist Church of LaGrange, Georgia. What made that significant was that 19 years before he had withdrawn his letter over some trivial matter that didn't amount to anything. But now he went back and he rejoined that church. He rededicated his life to Christ. Old Charlie Moore had a second chance, and he recognized the chance that he had. Now, I'll tell you, I don't understand the cross. All I can do is simply bow before it and accept it. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Simply to the cross I cling. And then thirdly, I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and his resurrection is my doorway to life, both in the here and in the hereafter. The world saw the beautiful Christ child born in a stable, raised, was crucified, put to death, and it looked like the end. 
As a matter of fact, many people thought it was the end, and many people still do. But thank God it wasn't. Because if you listen carefully, you can still hear those angels singing. And this time they're singing, and it goes up into a great crescendo, and they sing, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus said, Because I live, you shall live also. When I talk about eternal life, I'm not talking about the continuity of living. I'm talking about a quality of life, a quality of relationship with Jesus Christ that begins in this world and continues and grows and matures in the next. Billy Graham said that the Bible didn't tell him everything about heaven. I have not seen, said Paul, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of humankind the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But Billy Graham said the Bible does tell us a few things about heaven. It is glorified, it is perfect, it is joyous, it is certain, and then he said it is home. If you get right down to think about it, we believe in eternal life for these reasons. First of all, it has to do with the nature of God and our conviction about the nature of God. If we believe God is love, surely we believe God created something beyond this life. If not, how do we explain all of those who live a life of pain and suffering? How do we explain those who die before they become to the age of understanding? How do we explain unjustness that happens in the world? How do we explain that? It gets down to the character of God. Shall not the God of all the earth do right? I remember Philip Yancey said he believed in the resurrection because he'd gotten to know God. Divine love will always find its way. And then we believe in eternal life because Jesus came back from the dead. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He or she that believeth in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. If Jesus was so right about all these other things, could he possibly be wrong about life after death? I doubt it. I doubt it. And then here's another reason we believe in life after death. It's because of the testimony of the Christian ages and the Christian church. You remember Bonhoeffer when he was facing death? He said, this is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. Now, I have conducted a lot of funerals of saints, wonderful people. And I knew when I was conducting those funerals that these people could never die or else the world would make absolutely no sense, no sense at all. I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead and his resurrection is my doorway to life, both in the here and the hereafter. And then fourthly, I believe in me because I believe in Jesus Christ. A magazine once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. The winning definition was this one. A friend is a person who comes in when the whole world has gone out. That's a great definition. Joseph Scriven was a young man who loved this girl. They planned to be married. But this young girl accidentally drowned, and Joseph Scriven went through a horrible time. He couldn't understand it. He blamed God. He had a horrible time. But then he experienced Christ, and later he wrote these words, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. That is marvelous. But let me tell you a better definition of a friend. Henry Ford was having lunch with a man, and he looked at him and he said, Who's your best friend? The man didn't have any idea. Henry Ford took a pen and he wrote on the tablecloth, Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. And I believe it's Jesus Christ who brings out the best in me or in any of us. And then finally, I believe Jesus Christ is the example of my calling to fulfill. Jesus Christ is the example of my calling to fulfill.
Some time ago, Bishop Bethel Jones and I had a funeral of one of my cousins. This is what he said in that funeral. It is by grace that we are saved. But then he said, we must be worthy of that grace. This is what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before humankind that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What was Jesus concerned about? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is community. It's love and forgiveness and grace and liberation and reconciliation. If I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I've got to be concerned about those things. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you've also got to be concerned about those things. No question about it. I think it was a few weeks ago that I used this little story, and I want to use it again. This young man had finished preaching his sermon, and this big old robust lady came to the door and said, you're mighty young to be talking like that. And he looked at her and he said, Madam, I represent eternity. So do we all. We all represent Jesus Christ and eternity. If you can find anything better than that, go to it. But if you can't, I encourage you to receive and receive anew Jesus into your life and to live for him. Who do you say that I am? Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful again for this question that comes to all of us. And we pray that you would enable us to all answer it the way we should in the affirmative that you are the master, the Messiah. Thank you again for all things, including this opportunity of being together. Bless the listener. Bless the watcher. Make them all a blessing. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me in this service tonight, and I pray this has been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Have a good evening. Good night.
Thank you for listening to Dr. Hal Brady, whose television broadcast is seen weekly in Atlanta on the Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters Network. Dr. Brady's sermons are also available online and ministry updates are posted on Facebook. With your help, we are able to share the gospel online and on the air, so please consider a donation to Hal Brady Ministries. Donations can be mailed to Hal Brady Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 1367, Decatur, Georgia, 30031 or you can give securely online at HalBradyMinistries.com. We are grateful for your prayers and support and hope you'll continue to partner with us. If you have any prayer requests, please be in touch. Thank you.